In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Trusting in God's everlasting compassion, let us confess our sin. Almighty God, long-suffering and of great goodness, I confess to you, I confess with my whole heart, my neglect and forgetfulness of your commandments. My wrongdoing, thinking, and speaking, the hurts I have done to others, and the good I have left undone. O God, forgive me, for I have sinned against you, and raise me to newness of life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Dear friends, hear the good news. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God cleanses us from our sins, restores us in God's own image, and frees us to love to the praise and glory of God's holy name. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you. 
Everlasting God, you give strength to the weak and power to the faint. Make us agents of your healing and wholeness, that your good news may be made known to the ends of your creation. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, beginning at the 16th verse. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation, I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I might share in its blessings. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. How great are you, Lord? How great is your mercy? How great are the things 
that you have done for me. How great are you, Lord? Your loving kindness is filling my heart as I sing. How great are you, Lord? How great is your love, it reaches to the heavens. How great is the heart that sought and rescued me. How great are you, Lord. How great is your mercy. How great are the things that you have done for me. How great are you, Lord. Your loving kindness is filling my heart as I sing. How great are you. The Holy Gospel is from Mark, the first chapter, beginning at the 29th verse. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. He answered, let us go to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Thank you. 
I want to start today by telling you two facts. Here's the fact number one. In the Roman Empire, around the time St. Mark's Gospel was written, someone's value as a person was determined primarily by their potential to contribute financially to the economy and to provide more intangible benefits to their family and friends. Because someone's value was determined by their social and economic relationships with other people, it could be contingent on a whole bunch of things, one of which was their physical ability. And for that reason, it was common for parents to practice what was called exposure with some of their newborns. Essentially, if you had a child that appeared to have some sort of malady or that wouldn't spark joy in your life, you just left them outside. And if you go back and read materials from the early church, you find that the first followers of Jesus criticized this practice and cared for infants who'd been exposed by their parents because something was wrong with them. 
So one of the things that made Christ followers unique in their social context was a belief that people are defined by something besides their ability to create value in the marketplace or to create happiness in other people. That's fact number one. Here's fact number two. When St. Mark and the other gospel writers wanted to imagine what it was like to enter the kingdom of God, they used images. They didn't say this is exactly what it is like, but they said, well, it's sort of like this other thing. Mustard seeds, lost coins, etc., etc. And one of the images they came back to again and again was the restoration of people's ability. What is the kingdom of God like? Well, it's like a paralytic being able to walk. It's like a man with a withered hand being healed. It's like a woman who's bleeding finally stops. That's fact number two. And hopefully you can see those two facts have some tension with each other. We often think that interpreting scripture gets difficult when it gets into money or politics or sex. But the truth is, it's the stuff about ability, physical ability in particular, that is way more complicated. Now, sometimes we try to resolve that tension by saying that what Jesus is really interested in is people's suffering, not their physical ability per se. And that certainly might have some truth to it, but it doesn't erase the effect that scripture and the Christian tradition built on top of it often glosses over people's lived experiences and uses physical recovery as a metaphor for spiritual redemption. After all, when John Newton had his famous conversion experience from a life profiting off slavery to a life of abolition, he could have looked back on his life and said that he sold his brother for a pair of sandals or that he passed by on the other side of the road. Instead, he opted for Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Today's gospel reading, the healing of Simon's mother-in-law, is a good starting point to try to get into this tension. Mark tells us that Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, then the fever left her and she began to serve them. Now this might seem like a weird story to use to talk about ability. After all, it's just a fever, not some serious disability like a withered hand or someone blind since birth. A fever is just a normal, occasional, everyday part of life. But even that argument seems to belie some of the problems with spiritualizing people's abilities. A fever is just normal for us. It's not a very big deal. But it was far less normal for Jesus and his contemporaries. There's even a scene in Luke's gospel where Jesus rebukes a fever as if fevers are caused by demons or something. If Jesus' contemporaries had a fever, they better get a spiritual healer who can work a miracle. But if you have a fever, well, you just send your friend to ShopRite to get you some medicine. Is a fever a serious problem? Well, it depends. One of the best books I read last summer was Andrew Solomon's Far From the Tree, which is close to a thousand pages, so confession, I read like a third of it. But it's a reported book about the ways that 
parents raise children who are different from them in some significant way, and how they build relationships with children who have an experience of life that they don't have access to. And parenting children with disabilities is one relatively common experience of that. But one of the points that Solomon draws out early on is that the label disability depends in large part on the ways we construct and build our society. Solomon himself would have been considered disabled if he'd been alive 200 years ago, but norms and structures change over time. A fever isn't really a major problem today, but in Jesus's time it was. And sometimes the way we define and describe what it is to be normal can look simplistic in hindsight. And it's important to remember that whenever we define ability and disability in terms of people's ability to function in society, because it can reinforce a tendency to see disability as inherent, as something you have more of or less of, and lead us to thinking that disability is something that needs to be eliminated instead of accommodated. At the very minimum, as people of faith, we should ask, whether the metric of being able to function in society should be used to sort of describe people's worth. And how often is our impulse to say there's something with this person that needs to be fixed and not there's a problem with society that needs to be fixed. And that takes us right into the healing part of today's story. Mark tells us that Jesus came and took Simon's mother-in-law by the hand and lifted her up. And the word that Mark uses here for lifted her up is agiro. And this is one of those words that looks simple, but it's actually doing a ton of work in this story. This is the same word that Mark uses to describe Jesus's own resurrection. He has been raised up. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. And so you already get a sense here that when Mark talks about Simon's mother-in-law being lifted up, He's not just saying that her fever broke and her temperature is back under 100. He's suggesting that her life is conveying, manifesting the kingdom of God in the world in the same way that Jesus' resurrection does. And so it's not a coincidence, it certainly shouldn't surprise us, that since she's been raised up, the first thing she does is begin ministering to them. And this can make it sound like she's putting the kettle on or something, but it's much more profound than that. The word here again in Greek serving is diakonia, which is the same way the work of the disciples is described, and where the word deacon comes from in our church. Diakonia is the common mission we all share as members of the raised up body of Christ. So when we say in the creed every week that we believe in the resurrection of the body, that's what we're talking about. We're not saying that resurrected bodies have 200 odd bones and 10 fingers and two sex chromosomes and one liver and no fevers. We're affirming that our bodies, that our minds, that ourselves are conduits of God's presence in the world. We're affirming that our bodies have integrity, that they're defined by more than how much satisfaction they give other people and how much value they can gain in the marketplace that whether you can function in a flawed society is not the fairest measure of whether you can flourish in the kingdom of God. And that should put the whole story in a rather different light. 
we often think of this story as one of the first miracles Jesus performs after calling the disciples in Mark's gospel. But what else is this experience than the calling of a new disciple? After all, if you heard a story of someone being given the power of the resurrection to engage in mission and witness, you would say it's a story about discipleship. But when the person has a fever, suddenly our brains go right to a miracle story about somebody being fixed. Disciples over here, healed people over here. But St. Mark makes the transition clear. Egiro and diakonia, resurrection and service, death and life. That's the transition and the redemption that occurs in the story. It's not Simon's mother-in-law being cured or fixed or made whole from her fever that's so important. It's that she's invited into a life of service and witness. It's that she's been lifted up. Which is good because after all, that's the thing that only Jesus can do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
invite you to unmute yourself as we join the church around the world, confessing our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son and Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, crucified, buried. To the he descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge in the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Guided by Christ, made known to the nations, let us offer our prayers for the church, the world, and all people in need. For the church, for ministries of healing and wholeness, for hospital, hospice, and military chaplains, for those serving in prison ministry, for all who proclaim freedom and release in the name of Christ, let us pray. Have mercy, mercy on us. For creation for insects in the grass, clouds on the mountaintops, for cattle in the rainwater they drink, for the humility to take our place among all creatures of God's earth, let us pray. For the nations, for all who lead cities and towns, states and nations, for community organizers, school officials and teachers, for international health workers, that in times of trial, fear, and hopelessness, they may find freedom and service to those in need. Especially this week, we pray for the people of Andorra, Italy, Malta, Portugal, San Marino, Spain, and Vatican City. Let us pray. For all who are wearied by life's burdens, for the poor, for those lacking supportive relationships, for those crushed by debt, for those struggling with pain or sickness, for those exhausted from overwork and stress, for all who cry out to you. And if you have any petitions, I invite you to offer those at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, Nita, Laura Lee, Rick, My mom. Susan, Carol, Deb. Let us pray. Blessed are you, O God, for your word of strength, of encouragement, of hope, the contagious word that allows us to move toward the renewal of our world. Grant us to hear your word and to preserve it, putting it into practice this day. Let us pray. With thanksgiving, we remember those who had died. Keep us in communion with all the saints until we, at last, find our rest in you. Let us pray. Have mercy, have mercy God. God. We offer these prayers in the name of the one who raises us up, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, our Father, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the blast of evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, Amen. this time, we open things up for any announcements, joys, or concerns. Does anyone have anything they need to share with the congregation? Hi, it's Janice. I just wanted to share that I'm starting to get some photos emailed into me, and I just encourage you to send emailed photos of yourself into me for our pictorial directory. Thank you. All right. 
Thank you very much, Janice. Anybody else? I didn't see anybody. A few things I want to let you know. Next Sunday is Transfiguration Sunday, and we're putting together a virtual hymn. Um, if you want to participate in that, I need your audio recording by end of the day on Wednesday. Uh, I invite you to do that. It sounds good. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, ashes for Ash Wednesday are available in the Dropbox by the Memorial Garden. Uh, each one should be good for three to four households. We're going to start communion again as part of church services on Ash Wednesday. There'll be more information in the e-blast this week. Uh, Center for Food Action donations for the Super Bowl are being collected today. I set up the bin by the Dropbox in the Memorial Garden. I'll leave it up all day. And since I don't know what the roads are going to do. But I'll, I'll leave it up on Monday and Tuesday, too. So if you can't get here today, you know, don't, uh, don't court disaster. Sunday school is today at 4. That's confirmation, too. And happy birthday to Lily and Anderson. Good for you. I hope you have a way to celebrate. And the final thing is if we go to the next slide, I'm super glad today to welcome Anthony Briggs of Crossroads Camp and Retreat Center. Uh, to church today. Anthony is going to talk a little bit about camp and sort of what's going on. And so whenever you're ready, Anthony. Good morning, everyone. It is really great to be here. I, a nod of head. Can, can I be heard? I can't see people. So yeah, okay, just making sure. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting me. Um, this is, it's a joy, and, um, you know, I, I, I look out, and we're having a, a lot of snow right now on top of a lot of snow, and it's sort of cool that I can be with you today. If this had been scheduled in normal time, probably wouldn't be able to, to make it to, to worship with your community, so this is, it's really awesome to be here. So, like everything um, since last March, camp has changed drastically. Um, I'm assuming you all know about Crossroads. It's a ministry of the Synod and the congregations that make up the Synod and the Diocese of Newark. It's a partnership ministry. And um, this year, last year has been uh, quite a challenge, but you know, it's, it's caused for a lot of um, really interesting and cool innovation. And I've been really proud to be a part of a team that has been uh, working hard on what does it mean to bring um, the gospel um, and faith formation um, and community uh, in a time when we are all isolated. And um, um, this past year, we have reached thousands of people. And this is a ministry that your church owns and you have been such a supportive congregation. Um, I think it's important you know, to thank you and for all of you to realize uh, what your support is is doing in the world. Um, we have had um, so much um, uh, fun with our campfires and our arts projects and our nature programming. Um, all of this has been online. We ran summer camp this past summer. We had day camp. We had youth camp. We had a leadership lab for, for teens. We have been doing um, all kinds of... Um, uh, sponsored conversations for young adults, a, a place where people can come together in community and talk about their lives and talk about faith and, um, and be together in a time when we're all feeling very separate. Um, 
our Wednesday Away program, which I, I was reading in your newsletter, I hope some of you will, will join us the first Wednesday of every month. That is a wonderful time that we gather. Um, we have some wonderful spiritual directors who do a, a, a really, really, really um, uh, a lovely, um, uh, I don't want to call it a job because it's an experience where people come together and they are able to settle in quiet and connect with God in a, in a new and different way. Of course, we look forward to welcoming people back to camp so that we can continue to do those uh, in person, um, but we know we'll get there. Um, we have been very busy uh, working uh, um, to get camp ready for uh, what it means to reopen and to welcome people back to camp. We've been doing a lot of surveying and having focus groups with families. And, um, you know, many, many, many parents uh, are telling us that they, they need and that their kids need to be back together at camp and in community and running around outside. And we work with, uh, we're part of the American Camping Association and we're there and uh, uh, they're working a lot with the, the CDC as well as the uh, state and uh, local governments. We know we can run camp. We know we can do it and we're excited. It's going to be different for a year, maybe two, with some of the way we do certain things. Um, but we look forward to having, um, to having this place uh, full of laughter and, and singing and, and all the things that we know that uh, our young people are missing. And so um, we have been, uh, we've been going hour by hour looking at each day, thinking about how, how can we do camp and do it safely. And so we are, um, we're, we're working with our, uh, we have a wonderful nurse administrator who's part of the, the National Camping um, Nurses Association. And so we feel really confident uh, that we are going to have camp. And, you know, I was talking with one mother last week and she said, Anthony, could you please just take my kid now? <laughs> they, they really need to be out of the house and they need to be back at camp. And I said, you know, I wish that we could. And, uh, and so I'm really looking forward to that day. And again, a huge thank you. Um, your generosity, uh, your congregation has made uh, just wonderful things happen um, uh, from uh, from our art barn to helping us fund our day camping program, which will be starting again. And uh, several of you are also personal members of our Pathfinders. And it just, it, it makes a world of difference. And kids need camp now more than ever before. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, um, you know, it's not just for kids. So if you're not uh, getting our newsletters, uh, or ever visit our website, please do, because we have many, many different experiences and opportunities for people of all age. So thank you for letting me be here today, Pastor. Thanks for the invitation. And it's, it's good to, to see all of you, even if it is on my laptop. So take good care. That's great. And Anthony's become a, a, a Zoom-based life form at this point. Um, I wanted you to see, if you go to the next slide, this is the renovation of the art barn that an endowment grant supported. This is the before and during the renovation. Uh, and if you go one more, this is the after. So this should be able to be used uh, whenever gatherings resume at Crossroads. So that's excellent. Thank you very much, uh, Anthony.
and we can go to the blessing and dismissal. You probably noticed the prayer cycle this week is sort of uh, Italian and Iberian countries. And this is a blessing from Teresa of Avila, who is a uh, Spanish, I believe, Carmelite. So I invite you to receive the blessing. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith in yourself and others. May you use the gifts that you have received and pass on the love that has been given to you. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace, live and serve. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Jason Pegg just remarked that that postlude was a great accompaniment to the snow outside. <laughs> We're sitting here watching the snow swirl.